1: Welcome back to Vampire Videos, where we continue to explore 100 years of vampires on film and television, one bite at a time. Before we begin, please follow us on Blue Sky, Threads, and the platform formerly known as Twitter for regular updates. All the links are in the show notes. And don't forget to leave a star rating or review if you enjoy vampire videos and want to help us reach more listeners. I'm Dan Owen, and my co-host, whose tendency to wear a skin-tight catsuit has finally paid off this week, is Mr. Hugh McStay.
2: Hello, Tan. How you doing? Um, if you think my skin tight cat suit's bad, you should see my skin tight dog suit. That one's really. It's, it's practically pornographic. It's, it's too much. Excellent. Okay, Hugh, what do we have in store today? Well, this week it's Len Wiseman's 2003 action horror film Underworld, starring Kate Beckinsale as a vampire death dealer trained to protect her kind against enemy werewolves known as lichens.
1: The war itself had become more perilous.
0: Weapons have evolved. But our orders remain the same. Hunt them down and kill them off. One by one. They are the immortal damned. One family lusting for power and wealth. The chain has never been broken. Not in 14 centuries. Another driven by revenge. Soon we'll defeat the
3: vampires on their own ground.
0: See this human? He's attractive. I can't be positive, but I'm beginning to think the lichens are following him.
4: Hello,
5: Michael.
1: Why are they after you?
0: Who are you people?
3: If you're in the middle of a war that's been raging for the better part of a thousand years. A
0: blood feud between vampires and Lycans. Werewolves.
3: A decision must be made.
0: Why did you bring him here? You saved my life.
3: Between an oath sworn centuries ago.
0: A human. He's not a human at all. He's a Lycan.
3: And the power.
0: There can be no such union.
3: Greater than vengeance. You'll be lucky if I can convince the Kaiser to spare your life. Absolution will
0: be yours the moment you kill Michael.
1: Fantastic. Okay, I guess is always helpful. And we have someone today making their debut. In the pod mm. so let's slide off the moss covered lid and see who's inside. Oh, it's Craig McKenzie from the Neil Before Pod Show. Hello, Craig. Good evening. Excellent. I love an impression here. It's always good when the guest does that. Uh, how's my Bella Lugosi? <laughs> it's the wrong, wrong film. hopefully you've watched Underworld. Yes, I have. Not, yes. not Dracula. Let me sure it. Watch. Yeah. Very difficult to do an impression of uh, any of the vampires in this. <laughs> Although the guy with a deep voice, yeah, maybe he's one you can have a go at. The black guy or Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Yeah, got a good voice. Yeah, hello, Craig. Um, Obviously, regular on the We Made This Network, but your first appearance on Vampire Videos. Yeah,
5: first time here.
1: I'm filling up that bingo card. (laughs) It seems almost illegal that you haven't been on this one yet.
5: Yeah, I need to be there to, like, bless the show when it appears. That's the way it works.
1: Yeah, excellent. Okay, so with our new guests, we always ask them, what's the uh, first entry in your vampire diary? The first film or TV show or book or whatever that you ever encountered a vampire when you were a young boy? Do you know what it was? I don't know specifically. It was probably something like a Looney Tunes cartoon or, or <laughs> something along those
5: lines. You know, it was, it was one of those things that you immediately get the the cliches and tropes and stuff associated with vampires and then uh, okay. once you understand them you encounter more stuff. So the blood sucking, the the capes, the turning into bats. It feels like something that would be in something like a Looney Tunes cartoon.
1: But is uh, the Bugs Bunny yeah, one isn't it yeah. Transylvania 65,000 is that what you're thinking of maybe yeah <laughs> Who knows? that's a new one never heard yeah. somebody talk about that one before
5: <laughs> well, I might not be I have no idea it might be that it, I think it's before I can remember that I discovered vampires basically
1: yeah would it be maybe Count Dracula? <laughs> To <laughs> I don't know. It could be. I have no idea. <laughs> Craig's now to help you. We need to go back in time and surveil him. It's just one of those things. That's fine. I've always known about vampires. You
5: know, it's before I can remember.
1: Okay, so we're here today to talk about Underworld. Um, so first of all, a little bit of a preamble about how Underworld came to be. Um, So the screenwriter of Underworld is a man called Danny McBride, but not that one, (laughs) uh, a different one, um, who met director Lane Wiseman three years before the film was released in 2003. Uh, They planned to make a movie together. and This was the result, although they kind of came to this a bit of a roundabout way, really, because Danny McBride didn't uh, come up with the idea. The the idea actually originated with an actor called Kevin Greveau, who was a microbiologist turned actor moved to LA to seek his fortune I think. Um, he came up with the idea for uh, Underworld and he even stars in the movie. He's the very deep throated, well that's the wrong word isn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> a pornographic phrase. Um, he's the deep voiced vampire that you see in the subway in the in the first scene and he, and he kind of um, pops up throughout does not he? A very memorable uh, person. Um, so he's the guy who actually came up with the idea. Um, when they were putting this movie together they um, approached different actresses to uh, play the part of Celine before it eventually went to Kate Beckinsale. Uh, Amongst them was Rona Mitra, Mm. uh, well known for playing Lara Croft, wasn't it, Uh, in the 90s. Uh, Also Halle Berry and Mia Jovovich were also considered uh, for the role. Uh, Eventually went to Kate Beckinsale. Um, This marks the debut of Len Wiseman uh, behind the camera. Uh, He went on to direct its sequel, Mm. which I suppose we'll do in the future. And then live live free or die hard, uh, the fourth John McClane film, and the 2012 remake of Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually been away, hasn't he, for a, quite a time? I say he hasn't written really anything since Total Recall, mm-hmm. um, which is way over a decade ago now. He's just hiding from the shame. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a career killer, wasn't it? That one, I think, for him. Um, uh. So he's been in hiding, but yeah, he's coming back. He's actually doing the John Wick prequel, Ballerina. He's the guy behind that. It's coming out in 2024.
2: To be brutally honest with you, Dan, I, I can't believe that he was allowed to make any more films after Live Free or Die Hard. <laughs> it's That is an atrocity of unparalleled stakes. Yeah, I'd agree. I thought the fourth one was okay it's the fifth one that's the really bad one i, I never made it to the fifth one i never made it to the fifth one the, the fourth one killed me the fifth one is really bad it makes the
1: fourth one look good doesn't it that's the thing <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the secret of the fourth one the fourth one has
5: the car helicopter crash thing yeah <laughs> yeah
1: there's a few nice shots yeah he, he definitely improved as a director as we'll see talking about this one but anyway we'll come to you first of all uh craig so underworld i know is a movie that i think you requested to do this one yeah. I did. So you're to blame. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um But anyway, so yeah, I wanted to do the underboard movies because there's five of them. We will eventually do all of them, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But starting off with this this uh, original, um did you watch this one in the cinemas back in the day? It's always been a favourite of yours. What's your general thoughts on it?
5: So I never saw it in the cinema. I got it on DVD. It was one of those bargain bin DVD purchases. Yeah. Probably about six months after it came out on DVD, something like that. Maybe it wasn't selling very well. And. There's a weird relationship I have with the film in terms of trying to watch it. It took me three goes to get through it initially, because for some reason I kept falling asleep. Not out of boredom, <laughs> just because I was tired. And funnily enough, when I was trying to watch it over the weekend, it happened again. I was falling asleep, so I had to had to come back to it. I don't know, maybe I've associated that with sleep now, and every time I watch it, it'll just drift me right off. Yeah. So I would have seen it when it, like I say, a cheap DVD that I bought, and... I like it. It's a a good film. I think it's decently stylish. There's some cool design work in there. It's obviously riffing on a lot of popular trends at the time. It's very Matrix-esque in terms of the costuming, the billowing coats and the action although it's not very bullet timey I'm surprised it didn't steal bullet time more than it did but yeah I think it's pretty well put together and it's a decent first effort if it's a debut directing thing for Len Wiseman so yeah yeah. I, I enjoy it it occupies this space where it's almost a straight to DVD type thing but not quite it got theatrical release and it occupies the same space as the Resident
1: Evil movies for me, as an kind of entertaining schlock. I think the closest it came to bullet time was the ninja star throw that yeah. Celine does, <laughs> that one shot coming towards the camera. That was about it. But um,
2: what do you think uh, of this one, Hugh? Um, so, I, again, I, I saw this many years ago, and the only memory I had of it was that I didn't like it very much, um, though, I, you know, I did think Kate Beckinsale was insanely beautiful. <laughs> uh, but having revisited Van Helsing and finding a fun enough film there, I went in quite optimistic. Uh, and then it was interesting how quickly the film wasted so little time in reminding me why I didn't like it in the <laughs> first place um it just i just couldn't get on with it, it, it you know it, for a film that's about a war between vampires and werewolves it does such a disappointing job in capitalizing on that premise and you mentioned it Craig and I do agree it, it, it kind of looks like what it is it's a bit of a cheap matrix alike um it's got you know it's got as much skin tight pbc and gunfights as the matrix but it doesn't have any of that sort of directorial flair that the Wachowskis had I mean, it's not not a total write-off. There's some good things in it. I think the world building's really good. They really like the lore. But, you know, the film that we spend most of our time in is largely a bit dull and loud, and it's got all the visual appeal of an Evanescence music video. <laughs> it's, it just It just did not land for me. It's a film that thinks it's cooler than it actually is, and... I was disappointed actually because I was hoping I was going to go back and discover that my memory of it was wrong. But no, I just I just didn't get going with this.
1: Well, unfortunately, Craig, I think I'd side more with you than yourself. <laughs> um, but I don't want this episode to be um, just me and Hugh laying into it and Craig defending it.
5: <laughs> it wouldn't be the first podcast I've been on where that's happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, fire away. <laughs> I'll try and be constructive. I, I yeah. actually um, remember watching it uh, on Blu-ray or whatever or DVD back in the day. Yeah. And I remember thinking it was okay, to be honest. I remember thinking I, I, I liked it. I had it in my head that it wasn't a terrible film. I remember quite liking the second one, I, I think, as well. And the rest were kind of take it or leave it. And I think the last two are not great from memory. So I was actually going into this thinking, oh, Underworld, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna like this. I, I, I don't remember hating it as such. But then I watched it, you know, <laughs> 20 years later. And I think I've maybe just outgrown it, I think, that was my feeling. Because I was... Twenty-four when this came out, I think. So not like a kid or anything, but I was probably still in the in that kind of post Matrix haze that everyone was under, mm. where anything that was slightly resembled the Matrix or Blade was really cool and worth watching. Yeah, and this kind of ticked those boxes. And obviously, Kate Beckinsale, as you say, ticked a lot of boxes. <laughs> but yeah, twenty years later, though, I just uh, I, I found very little to enjoy beyond a few of the action sequences. A few shots here and there were decent enough, and I think it actually did pick up steam sort of towards the end. I think once Bill Nye comes into it, it definitely gets better at that point I, I did enjoy his yeah. appearance as Victor and once the, it takes a long time though I don't know if you agree Craig, maybe you'll totally defend it. It's quite slow. It's slow yeah. yeah, it's slow isn't it. It takes like 90 minutes until it even begins to get going it feels like.
5: Yeah, when I was checking how long it was I was like 2 hours 15 minutes, it feels like it shouldn't be 2 hours 15 minutes
1: Yeah. I, I think uh, we all must have watched the extended
2: cut I believe because I think the original cut was 2 hours was it And Oh god, is that what happened? Oh my god, <laughs> I was watching this thinking how how in the name of Christ, did this get past an editor like get into the cinema at this length? But that makes perfect sense. Oh, oh I feel a bit better about it
1: now, actually. I think you probably can't get the theatrical cut anymore. It's probably mm-hmm. just the unrated edition. that will be on disc. So, yeah, so it wasn't uh, a, a great experience for me, and I think the length hurt it. If, if this was, like, 90 minutes, it would have been a lot better mm-hmm. if they just yeah. got, got on with it. And also, for me, um, it was kind of pitched loosely as a kind of Romeo and Juliet thing with Celine and uh, Michael, yeah. uh, the character, who's the kind of... Um, uh lichen the hybrid hybrid lichen <laughs> yeah. sort of thing yeah and that doesn't land at all for me
2: no not at all
1: there's no sense of a connection between celine and michael really uh if this was more of a, a horror uh, you know romeo and juliet kind of genre thing and you really did get invested in them as characters and grew to like them and wanted to see them get together, that would, like, give it something to grab onto emotionally. Yeah. I don't know, but they didn't have that, did it? So I was just kind of waiting just for the plot to happen and the action to happen. The third one does more of that. It is alluded to in
5: the flashbacks in this film as well that, that will eventually be spun out into its own... Two hour plus film, probably the, the Romeo and Juliet forbidden love thing that said the flashbacks.
1: Yes, yeah. I do remember the third one with Rona Mitra, who actually yeah. came into the franchise uh, as a different character called Sonia. They mentioned Sonia, don't they, in this as well? Yeah, and there's flashbacks and things. So. Yeah. The third one's the prequel that tells that story. Mm. You might be somebody who's seen these movies more often or more recently, Craig. So the, the third one is uh, surprisingly good. Is that the, the general view?
5: I'm not sure. I don't remember the third one that well. Okay. Although I don't remember most of them that well. They're, yeah. they're
2: films that I remember sort of vaguely enjoying. Yeah, they're not de- They're not designed to be remembered well, I don't think. <laughs>
5: no. They don't stick around for very long after I've watched them. Yeah. And I think that's almost by design. But it's actually kind of amazing that it has four sequels, this yeah. <laughs> (laughs) How how did that
1: happen? Yeah. I remember thinking it was a surprise that they even got Kate Beckinsale back after the third one. Mm. She obviously stepped away. She came back for another two after that. Amazing. But yeah, so I think that's one major flaw is that there was no emotional hook to this. So I was just counting on the action being great. And to be honest, um, I didn't find the action that exciting. Yeah. It wasn't very well staged or anything. It was no... There's a few nice moments. I mean, there was uh, one shot I did like. I liked um, jumping right to the end now, but when Victor's killed... And she does that kind of massive jump into the into the air. <laughs> she kind of she kind of almost floats down to earth after this big kind of um, lethal blow of her weapon. And that looks really good Yeah And uh, there's little moments here and there But there's no kind of like Like standout moment Where you would want to fast forward To this particular mm. chase Or this
2: particular fight There's, there's nothing like that Well you, you know that, That's kind of what I meant At the at the start it's, like, it, it's, it's almost criminal That a, a film with this kind of premise Is shot so In such a pedestrian manner um, Yeah You know Werewolves with Uzis <laughs> Should be a terrifically fun time But you know it, It's effectively just like like set piece after set piece of people standing in corridors emptying guns in slow motion (laughs) at each other there's no inventiveness to it like I said I I promise Craig there are things I do like about it I'm not going to give it a total kicking but like it just kept annoying me that there's so many good things that they could be doing and I think there's maybe a good film just on the outskirts of this one you know waiting to happen but there, there, there isn't enough here uh, to kind of justify the the, the excellent premise because hey look I am a horror geek setting me up for werewolves versus vampires that sounds terrific but when the werewolves and vampires just look like generic bad guy one and generic bad guy two shooting each other what's the point I don't I, it just it did nothing for me in, in terms of its its action stakes
5: yeah although I would say that the action is somewhat better directed than some modern action films but yeah you know, I guess it's Len Wiseman just learning his craft so to speak and yeah. He'll- possibly improve as he goes on but yeah it was it was maybe a little bit too ambitious and there's maybe a lot of riffing on the matrix as well like you say the slow motion stuff even mm-hmm. the opening action sequences in like a subway yes, station yeah. it's, <laughs> it just made me think of the matrix immediately
1: oh yeah definitely yeah i mean Celine is basically trinity yeah, and yeah. michael's neo <laughs> essentially yeah <laughs> So it's a slight twist on The Matrix, yeah. Yeah,
5: and the emotional hook, it's everyone's trying to be cool so they can't be emotional. So everybody everybody has to be cool, don't yeah. they?
2: Who, who was Shane Brawley's Craven supposed to be then? Oh. Because um, that may be one of the worst performances I have ever encountered in my entire time doing vampire videos. <laughs> Oh, I can't even think where he'd be but yeah there's,
1: it's, it's definitely informed by the Matrix throughout I think um, and also Terminator 2 uh, there's a, quite a few scenes where I, I was reminded of the T-1000 chase when that person's running after the car it's uh, Michael Sheen isn't it oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. runs after the Sheen, car yeah. he even has like a big stabbing weapon that he puts <laughs> through the roof of the car like the T-1000's kind of sword arm thing and then all the all the werewolves get shot by uh, silver nitrate bullets and they kind of leak yeah. kind of liquid metal looking stuff don't they so it, it just there's little moments here and there I think oh you've seen Terminator 2 as well wasn't
2: he I, I wasn't ready for Michael Sheen showing up as sort of young long haired gothy sexy Michael Sheen that was it. that was certainly something to get, t- get to grips with yeah he was young ones <laughs> I thought
1: it was David Tennant when he turned up he looks like David Tennant doesn't he no wonder they get along they're, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. he used to be him in the past yeah <laughs> it's bizarre I thought it was strange how similar he looked to David Tennant uh, back then Michael Sheen. I mean, he's a good actor. And I enjoy Michael Sheen. Uh, he did. Uh, he did his best to elevate it. Yeah, yeah. He mm-hmm. was definitely a highlight, I think, of the movie. But. I don't know, damning with faint praise. I mean, I, I, I want to also say that I think one crucial mistake with the film is giving the vampires guns. <laughs> um, because if if it had been just physical fights, yeah, like more yeah. kung fu kind of thing, hand to hand combat with vampires and werewolves, that'd have been a lot more exciting. I think the fact that they rely on guns for some reason. But then,
2: but then last year we uh, sort no not last year, last season. Sorry, we covered Blade. Uh, which is a film that predates this by about five years, I think. Yeah, and um, that's a film that that really kind of mixes both together really well. You know, the gunplay in that yeah. is, is fun. There's lots of ridiculously good Hong Kong style combat going on. Uh, he's got all the gadgets. He's got all the sort of stuff that this film kind of, you know, this film kind of takes those things but doesn't really do anything creative with them. Mm. Um, it's just disappointing. And what you said about uh, about uh, Michael Sheen uh, showing up, I think you're right. He's very, he's very charismatic. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a good villain. But that ties into what I—I I don't know what you think, Craig. I think one of the—the the thing about the film that I found difficult was it can't make its mind up who is going to be the villain, <laughs> and because yeah. of that, you know, you don't really know like who you should be rooting against or who you should be cheering for. And again, we're jumping towards the end here, but you know, the, the late stage reveal that Victor's actually an even bigger, bigger bastard than Lucian. It's like, well, you know, I didn't really get to know the scene I now, don't, I don't really know. Is Craven, do we hate Craven now? Who, who, who do we hate? Mm. I just wish that they'd picked someone and really focused on that. And, yeah. and Michael Sheen would have just been a perfect villain, I think. Yeah, it's, it's almost like it's the finale of a TV series that we don't really see. You get this condensed <laughs>
5: TV series across the the couple of hours that yeah. you're watching it so it kind of expects you to be more into the lore than the film actually allows mm-hmm. you to be because by the end of it it's, there's a lot going on and by the end you're like who are these people and what are their relationship to each other and <laughs> what's going on
1: yeah uh, well at one point I thought okay we're meant to maybe side with the lichens that's going to be like the twist yeah. really is that we're following the vampire kind of protagonist in Kate Beckinsale but halfway through it's going to become obvious that she's basically working for the bad guys mm. and she'll switch allegiances or she kind of does side with Michael mm. in a sense at the end so that kind happens but but even now i was kind of waiting for the switch where the lichens become the good guys but that doesn't really happen does it mm-hmm. not really it's it's it gets a bit muddled i think
2: well, the visual language of the story t- telling on show Indicates that you should be siding with the lichens. You know they're a bit sort of scruffy and downtrodden. You know, and you've got these sort of like aristocratic vampires lording over everybody. <laughs> so the, the the language of the film is telling you that maybe you should be siding with the lichens, but the <laughs> film's not interested in dealing with that. It's just you know, it, I, I just think the thought. What should we dress the, the werewolves? oh just make them a bit <laughs> scruffy. Give them long hair and a beard. That's fine. That's good yeah, enough.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, I I I liked the premise like like you mentioned at the start. I do like the werewolves versus vampires thing, and it makes sense to make the vampires the elite. <laughs> Swanning around in high tech Victorian mansions or whatever they've got, and, <laughs> and um, yeah, the um, werewolves are more yeah, street level, aren't they? I suppose you could call mm. it. And uh, I, I, I like the idea. I, I think from memory, the second film is better than this. Is that do you do you agree with that, Craig? I think they kind of get a better handle on the idea and this is this one's more growing pains
5: yeah the, the second film benefits from the fact that the first film exists so it just kind of hits the ground running with its story yeah. as far as i remember so yeah it, it does build on this a lot better and then four and five because three is the prequel i can't remember
1: yeah it's very much like the resident evil of the vampire kind of genre isn't it this these movies yeah. um very disposable
5: shares quite a few similarities like superficial similarities because it's like husband and wife that meet while making the film
1: uh, yes that kind of stuff yeah it's, and this yeah. is not based on the video game but it is kind of well it was a lawsuit wasn't it about where, where this is yeah. coming from this idea um we'll go into that briefly actually um yes underworld was a target of a copyright infringement lawsuit mm. by white wolf incorporated the makers of the role-playing games vampire the masquerade and the werewolf the apocalypse and also uh the author nancy a collins who wrote some books starring a character called Sonia Blue, but also she wrote a, sh- a short story called *The Love of Monsters*, which she directly claims was the basis of *Underworld*. It's a bit iffy though, because White Wolf's 17 counts of infringement and 80 points of similarity included their observation that the vampires in *Underworld* also drink blood. <laughs> so anyway, but but the weird thing is the lawsuit did get settled in a confidential settlement. So um, you know that's norm- that normally indicates that uh, they don't want the hassle just want these people to go away so they pay them off or well, there actually was something to that story and they had to pay up. I don't know. It could be an
5: unconscious thing where the writer was just riffing on this game that he likes to play and then <laughs> by the end of it it's, oh God, I've actually stolen more more <laughs> yeah.
1: than I thought I did. I thought the main uh, bone of contention would be that there is a character called Sonya in the lore of this and also those vampire novels being yeah. Sonya Blue. That seems uh, quite a direct link but um, anyway, whatever the basis was and uh, it, it got settled so they made more sequels because of that. But yeah, um, so anything that you want to talk about that's positive about the movie, Craig?
5: Well, outside of the superficial stuff, I thought that Kate Beckinsale was a good lead. I read that she wanted to do this film to get away from the well non-action-y films that she was doing. She wanted to yeah. break into action. This was how she did it. And then Van Helsing was a year later, so she, got, yeah. she became credible as an action star with this film and then beyond. So, yeah, so I think she's very good in this, actually. I mean, she doesn't have an awful lot to play with. She, there's not a lot of range demanded from her, but I think she she does pretty well.
1: Um, but in terms of acting or disability, like the fights and things? or
5: Yeah, but both, and she's sort of a magnetic lead as well. Some leads you see and they're like, why are you the lead of this? Is the director your husband? Well, not yet, but it's <laughs> not the case here. You can see why she was chosen, I
2: think. Oh, yeah, know, I, I would agree with uh, with Craig on that. I, I think she, I mean... She's such a striking person, isn't she? She's like, you know, she really kind of stops you in your tracks. And, you know, she's got a lot of charisma, even when she's not really doing very much. And I, again, I don't want to go back to criticism, but it annoys me because she is really good. This. I wish she'd been given a little bit more range. And like the, when she is asked to kind of do a bit more, I don't really think that the the script rises with her. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Dan, like that you really need to feel the connection between Celine and Michael uh, for the last act of the story to make any sense. And I don't know if it's a case that maybe they just don't spend enough time together. Um, or maybe Scott Speedman is just a little bit dull. He's not bad, but he's just a bit dull, you know. They just they just don't really have any any chemistry and and that's really disappointing <laughs> because um you know we, we, when she's interacting with uh, Bill Nye I think the two of them absolutely sparkle off each other but again it's Bill Nye how how can you not I, I could probably get a good scene out with Bill Nye if I was in this film he's just he you know he's just absolutely chewing every inch of scenery <laughs> as he goes around the, the last act of this film
5: and this was at the time where he was everywhere you couldn't turn on yeah, a film without yeah. seeing him at this point in <laughs> cinema history. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it was around Love Actually was it around
2: here and no not yet Hitchhiker's Guide was around
5: now wasn't it yeah yeah
2: Yeah. how great would it have been though if it was Victor that was in Love Actually rather than the the, the Bill Nye performance (laughs) we got that'd be a much better film
1: (laughs) yeah I have to agree about uh, Bill Nighy. Um I wasn't so keen on Kate Beckinsale this time to be honest I, I didn't think she was as good as I remembered her being Ooh, I remember thinking well at least Kate Beckinsale was good in these films but I mean she's not terrible she? I didn't, you know. but yeah I think it's mainly just the material she's working with um, she doesn't really get a lot to do she looks yeah. you know, striking in the catsuit etc and she's pretty decent enough for the action scenes but hmm. I didn't think there was a lot here emotionally I was actually more engaged with Sophia Miles who appears as the kind of blonde vampire kind of best friend of hers or something she had a bit more fun to her a bit mm-hmm. more of a playfulness that I enjoy another sort of David Tennant connection because she was in Doctor Who as well
2: oh yeah she was in Doctor Who yeah yeah uh, so, <laughs> Sophia Miles also gets one of my favourite unintentionally hilarious moments in the film when um, you know with. We- when uh, Craven is trying to tell her about what's going on he's trying to unveil his plan and he says what well, I have to tell you is in the strictest confidence and she says it can wait and she gets her tits out <laughs> and it works it distracts him long enough for like an entire scene to play out. Just... I thought well you know th- th- this film is, is really dancing with me and I don't know if it knows what it's doing or if, it, you know, if it's just accidentally stumbling onto this stuff
1: uh, Victor the character of Victor played by Bill Nighy. Mm. I also liked the idea that he was like this kind of um vampire elder that they keep in a in a tomb somewhere along with another one don't they Marcus now we see Marcus hmm. in the sequel don't we Oh, I believe. yeah so he, he comes into it yeah. but we only see Victor I love the idea that he's he's there as a, a corpse essentially and then she has to kind of um, revive him by biting her wrist and dripping some blood into Mm. that weird contraption that is pointless because you just drip it straight straight into his mouth but she has to put it into a little kind of slot and it dribbles in through this little thing Um, you need to see the the mouse trap type setup of the the coffin yeah it's pretty weird but I I liked it that they kind of revived him like a a century too early Mm -hmm. and he's like some kind of pissed off old man who's been woken up at (laughs) 2am or something
5: well that's one thing that's positive about it I think the, the makeup effects are actually really yeah, good, particularly yeah, yeah. on Bill Nye, where you see him regenerate over the course of the film. Every time you see him, he looks a bit more mm. well, not alive, but you know what I mean. Stuff like that. I think, and the werewolf designs are really good. But even though the the CGI is very early two thousands, yeah. the transformations are actually
2: pretty decent. Yeah, I agree. With that. Not too bad. Although, although the werewolves do get a little bit rubbery I think when you see them <laughs> you know too, too full on yeah my, my favorite thing as well the way they get around to any werewolf gore is that any werewolf kill is just basically a point of view shot of the werewolf running at the camera with his mouth open <laughs> they do that like four times and it made me chuckle every time but, it's yeah. great
1: yeah so I enjoyed Victor and like you say I think his connection with Selene worked really well as a kind of father-daughter dynamic isn't it and then the fact there's a bit of a tragic reveal there that he did kill Celine's family I thought that worked really well as actually more engaged by Victor and Celine and their story than I was Michael and Celine mm. that's
2: what I mean by the last like 40 minutes of the film is a lot better because of that yeah yeah but I always think that comes too late you know if like there, there should be more of that relationship to build up to that sort of gut-wrenching reveal mm. um, and, and again as I said it like plays into that issue of like creating another bad, bad guy for us to deal with you know so at this point you've got Lucy and Craven and Victor <laughs> now that are all kind of the big villain and me <laughs> do you know what do you know what? maybe it's maybe it's just that there's so many ideas in the film because i think that maybe is one of its problems that it's actually over stuff with ideas and plot twists and you know tons and backstabbings and mm. maybe if it was spread out over a couple of films and you maybe just maybe just focus on lucian in this movie and you know leave victor a little bit to the sequel but yeah Crikey how many sequels have we got dan did you say six four more after this four maybe this feels like six <laughs> technically three sequels one's a prequel oh, yeah Ah, I
1: don't know if they're finished either They might do more Who knows If Kate Beckinsale's bank balance Gets a bit too low (laughs) She's back into that cat suit again She's on the um, chicken and cabbage diet Apparently she was on
2: To get into the leather cat suit But also she had a bout of pneumonia While filming mm, Yes, That kept the weight off apparently God remember when we were covering van helsing and she it was the same in that she was complaining about she had to fit into the worst corset I'd ever imagined she burned it at the end of filming she was so happy to be rid of it oh poor kate come on can we not do better for her she
5: wants to be an action star but they keep putting her in these like, skin tight outfits whatever she is in
2: action stuff well I, I don't know about you gents but whenever i'm out on the street fighting monsters and I, I never wear anything that tight you, you know you do yourself an injury something baggy and loose yeah yeah, absolutely yeah a lot of talcum powders get into that as well (laughs) um You're taking away all the sexiness. Understand? Dan <laughs> yes,
1: that's what you don't see. You don't see her, like having to bathe in talcum powder to get leg in. Man. the amount of help she must need as well, the <laughs> people around her That's what that's what Sophia Moses' character does. There's like the handmaid, and he has to like help her. That's what she's there for. Um, we did also lose a nude shower scene. Yeah, she refused to do a nude shower, shower scene. Uh, oh, <laughs> so I thought you
2: were talking. I thought you were talking about Michael Sheen. I was getting no. Oh, I was interested Shut <laughs> so, that No. Oh well.
1: A shower Sheen A shower scene. A shower scene. Well, Sheen. Sheen's shower. Sh- as a new tongue
5: twister There's a love scene in the second film where it's just a stunt performer because she didn't want to do
1: it as well. Mm. Oh, okay, you've been on Mr. Skin, haven't you, to get that information?
5: I read IMDb <laughs> trivia when I'm bored sometimes, or preparing the podcast. Yeah, I do that as yeah. well. And I get halfway through the trivia and think, why am I reading this? This is old. There's nothing interesting in here.
0: At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
1: Okay, one scene I need to talk about. That I did enjoy, and I, and I think there needed to be more scenes like this because it hit a kind of level of insanity that I think would have been a good tone to have throughout. It's when you have the the guy with the whips yeah. against the werewolf. Uh-huh great idea having a guy who's a master of whips versus a werewolf i thought it's a great idea and it's a decent enough little scene you know, but that's the kind of level i thought they needed to operate on throughout yep and that is a bit more tactile isn't it than the guns with the whips and stuff so yeah. i thought it's just a, that's the right way to
2: go so it's a shame there wasn't more like that the minute they establish that you know you can kill vampires and werewolves with some bullets from this gun and these uzis it's like you know i, I know silver bullets are a thing right i get that Like you know, I want to see the vampires and werewolves rip each other to shreds. That's what I'm here for.
1: Yeah It should have set a rule Where the vampires Had to be stabbed With a stake <laughs> So you had to do that it had to be a physical act And then you had to do The similar thing With the werewolves But it was with silver mm-hmm. And just having that Would have really helped It had to be like Sword fights And stuff like that Just something a bit more Interesting than guns But well, any of the
5: hand-to-hand stuff Was really good There
1: was a few Different little hand-to-hand things Like Michael versus Victor at the end It was brief But it was pretty good Yeah yeah There was some definitely Some moments You know like it wasn't entirely A terrible film throughout it was, There was good Scenes here and there um any particular moments that stood out to you craig is something to mention that you enjoyed or it
5: has already been mentioned but the yeah any scene that bill nye's in and i agree with what you said hugh that's that should have been the story their connection and that betrayal as well it's it's weird though because when they do this or when she decides to wake him up i was thinking well why (laughs) why why is she waking him up you haven't really explained yeah yeah does Uh it. and she's not supposed to a century early well, what was he going to do in a hundred years from now? I don't understand yeah, it. like we were like... saying the lore is just there's lots of it and
2: it doesn't always give you what you need to understand why people are doing things Bill Nye actually says something along the lines of like you know this is not the order we leapfrog through time like, what? You <laughs> why? <do that?" laughs>
1: it's, it's my yeah, way why do that yeah Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just, it's just alternates of Marcus then, doesn't it? So it's just, you have a hundred years, and then I take over. Yeah. 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 That's strange. Uh, okay. D-
2: do you know? Do you know something? I quite like Um. This. I'm trying to be positive here, right? I love the sort of odd architecture of the world that we lived in. Mm. Um, it was you know you're never really able to get a sense of exactly where you were um you know it could have been it could have been uh, the uk it could have been america it could have been anywhere we don't really know and um you know there's accents all over the place architecture all over the place and it seems to be luckily for the vampires always night <laughs> it, 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 there was an issue with that because it made it difficult to kind of get any sense of the passage of time yes. well, i have no lo- i have no idea how long passed between the start of the film and the end of the film i suspect it's only a couple of days but there's no way to tell really no except for maybe michael's degeneration after being bit but it's, it's very difficult to tell but it it looks really great even though they do insist on shooting it in that sort of weird like sort of late 90s early 2000s blue hue that seemed to be in yeah. so many different films That's i would great. have
5: liked to see a bit more of the normal world you know the, yeah. obviously the vampire werewolf thing is the underworld mm. so it's happening beneath what we would consider a normal thing. You know, I'm thinking of in Blades when the vampires go into their secret nightclub mm. and get blood coming out of the sprinklers, that kind of stuff. You know, the yeah. stuff that goes on behind closed doors that we don't know about. It would have been quite cool to see. Yeah. Here's how we get to have this conflict and the humans never know about it. But then we're yeah. gunning each other down in subway stations.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> Just with Michael's character, because he obviously can exist in daytime. So just following him for a little bit in the daytime where, you know, there's nowhere was a vampire's around he can yeah, kind of reflect yeah. on what's happening and maybe talk to his friends. He got Wentworth Miller in here, aren't you? It was his, his buddy. I, I forgot yeah. he was
2: in this. Um Wentworth Miller turns up from prison break. I was like, Oh God. Yeah. It, it took me a moment to realise it was him because he had hair. I was like, what, yes. What's happening? <laughs> what is that a wig How, what's going on? <laughs> that was the scariest thing about a film <laughs> seeing his head he's also not talking in that voice that he
4: uses whenever he's in anything yes yeah yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you mean that voice yeah you're spot yeah. on <laughs> you don't even see the
1: vampires like go to sleep or anything or have to hide from the sun there's no there's no scenes it just entirely just takes place at night it no, no. I mean I was
2: almost thinking it was just one day that we were following or one night we only know that the sun affects them because of, this, of the memory flashback that Michael has of, of what happened you mm. You know with lucy and and uh, his lost love because I, I begin to think maybe there isn't a sun anymore maybe we're in the far future maybe that's the <laughs> twist The you know, vampires have blotted out the sun because how could there be no sun at all at any point it made no sense another scene i want to mention that i
1: found quite funny was when michael is in the back of the police car and he starts transforming into a werewolf and the two cops one driving one passenger they're kind of looking at him and mm-hmm. at a certain point, they get so annoyed by the noises they make, they just turn up their music. Yeah. <laughs> it just sort of happens to be like this heavy metal track that just perfectly suits the scene, sort of thing. It's like, so sort of, yeah. well, you're not going to help that guy. You just start to put the music up and give him a bit of background music for that transformation that's happening. It's another early 2000s hallmark, isn't it? The the heavy
5: metal music. <laughs> Just to make everything so much edgier and cool,
2: exactly. Um, Just very quickly, can, can I can I mention? I, I do feel like we're giving this film a kicking, and I feel bad. But this, I have to mention this because it made me properly laugh out loud. Um, the scene early on where um where Kate Beziel is making a getaway with Michael, and she's driving the car, but she's injured, and he says, "Oh, you know, you, you need to let me treat that that wound. You need to stop in case you pass out." And she says. I'll be fine, and then immediately passes out and crashes the car into the, into the lake. Yes. It's almost a moment of slapstick genius. That—that's when, that's when I wasn't really sure if the film was meant to be funny. I was like, Did they know what they're doing? Because maybe maybe I've just got this all wrong.
5: There's a moment where they clearly thought while making it that it was going to be way cooler than it ended up looking, where she shoots out the floor with her guns so that she can escape. <laughs> it just it just <laughs> looks very dull even though it should be the coolest thing ever I
1: mean, should waste like all of her bullets and, and, and doing that
5: oh, don't, don't worry especially.
2: about it Dan these, these guns never run out of bullets as well as we saw the, just <laughs> con- a constant stream of ammunition they've got
1: infinite uh, reloads
2: yeah, stored yeah, yeah, somewhere
1: yeah. Um, a little bit of trivia I'll just uh, feed in so I, I think everyone's aware aren't they but then Wiseman met Kate Beckinsale whilst making the movie obviously mm. she was a director she was a star um, and they eventually married the following year actually so 2004 they got married the weird thing I didn't realise is that she was actually going out with Michael Sheen at the time of making this (laughs) oh dear who obviously appears as Lucian and I was thinking oh, that must have been really awkward I bet there was something happening there but apparently not apparently um, they just had a great time making the film together and then she just eventually moved on from Michael Sheen to Len Wiseman and uh, she has a daughter with Michael Sheen who's in the film who's in the film yeah Mm. she plays the younger Celine Yeah. yeah And then apparently, uh, Michael Sheen and Les White, Len Wiseman get on really well. So there's so there's no kind of like weirdness going on. Or there's no kind of animosity about you stole my girlfriend and married her when we worked on this movie together. There's mm. no there's no weird you know scandalous story or anything from this. It's just a amicable kind of situation. I thought it was quite Hollywood
5: funny. romance for you, isn't it? We'll just we'll do this for a while and then you can move on to whoever and we'll part ways <laughs> just the way. it yeah. is
1: I mean, Wiseman and Becca Sell they did get divorced um, after the release of the fifth Underworld movie <laughs> in 2019. So their entire marriage is just... uh, It's the Underworld franchise. It's five films, one marriage.
2: You love that franchise more than me!
5: (laughs) For some reason. Yeah. (laughs) But over on Resident Evil, you've got Mila Jovovich and Paul Thomas Anderson and they are Mm. happily
1: together. W.S. Anderson.
5: I get my Paul Andersons mixed up. I would love
2: (laughs) to see Paul Thomas Anderson's (laughs) Resident Evil. I would
5: turn up for that on day one, guys. And then, obviously, they did Monster Hunter together, which was also terrible, but...
2: (laughs) One of our episodes dropped today, Dan, and uh, there was a a married couple uh, in um, Sleepwalkers who met on the set of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) That's that's all I've got for you. Yeah, well, they got divorced after making Sleepwalkers, so again... Again,
1: understandable. (laughs) Their marriage goes from Ferris Bueller to Sleepwalkers. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, did you know, apparently, I don't know if this is true or not, this is like an IMDb bit of trivia, so who knows, but apparently Marvel approached the creators of this movie to do a Blade crossover,
5: was mm. it not the other way around. I thought it was... Oh,
1: did they approach... Yeah. Okay, so they approached Marvel. And Marvel said no.
2: Well
3: done, Marvel. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: All right, uh, let's move on and have a look at the uh abilities and skills of the vampires in Underworld. So, uh craig immortality. Yes, they describe themselves frequently as immortals. So yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, I wonder how old the the ancient ones are. did they ever did they ever see that in the in the film how old the Bill Nye is? Do you count the couple of centuries of nap
1: they <laughs> yes take as part of their age? Did they, yeah, did they put a date on it? I know the third one's a prequels. That's like, when was that taking place? 600 years ago or something, was it? 1,000 years? I'm not sure, yeah. Some
2: so, so, you know, probably Bill Nye just playing about the, the, the actual age he is in real life as well. Because that <laughs> man does look like he's uh, an immortal who will be with us forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, what about strength and speed? Yeah, they're both of those. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah.
1: yeah I, mean, I mean, I don't know about speed. What about speed? There's not super speed, is there? really they're faster they, they do that obviously we've sped up the shot to show her running
5: faster than normal people run yeah okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think um, Michael Sheen's Lucian gets that scene doesn't he he's uh, as a werewolf Like you see how quick he is when he's chasing the car down
5: there's at least one with Kate Beckinsale run, run, running down a corridor Who? where she's slightly faster because they've sped up the shot
2: so many corridors so <laughs> many corridors
1: <laughs> rapid healing or invulnerability no not really Um, there's no sign of that is there Uh, the werewolves have that don't they because they get shot and they kind of expel the bullets yeah that's right I suppose
5: Selene heals pretty quickly doesn't she does she heal from her car crash injury oh yeah Yeah, she does suffer from
1: fainting spells yeah, I'm thinking the more when you see like bullets come out of the skin and fall to the floor, and blood gets sucked back into the wound, and scenes like yeah. that. And yeah, 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 I suppose he, yeah, she did get over that car crash
5: quickly. Bill Nye is sort of healing as he goes, as he gets more blood.
2: That's true. That's yeah, true. yeah, 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 that's true. Um, okay, as psychic powers or hypnotism? There are visions. So yeah, yeah. When she has to wake Bill Nye from his his ancient slumber. You know, it does feel like she's trying to pass like information to him psychically, so maybe. Oh, uh, right, yeah, I
1: thought that was just in the blood, that was just a thing.
2: Oh, where, maybe, maybe, yeah. But
1: I think that's the idea, is that your blood also contains memories. So it
5: will be like a psychic imprint, I would call it psychic. Psychic blood, yeah, psychic blood. <laughs> Unless you count Kate Beckinsale as a, in a cat suit as being hypnotic, maybe. very, oh, <laughs> very,
2: yeah. Or yeah. right, Michael Sheen with his lovely long beard and hair. Ooh, <laughs> that does it for me. What about shape-shifting? Not no. for the vampires, but obviously the werewolves, yeah.
5: And then you have the hybrid thing, which does a bit of shapeshifting, which isn't really a vampire, yeah. it's a combination.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be nice though? we could get like, big, giant, mutant vampire monsters versus werewolves? Nope, none of that. <laughs> Just get the machine guns. You kind of get that in the second one, I think. There's, there's one, like, mutant creature in the second one. You trying to tempt me back there, creature <laughs> Trying to tempt me back into the
1: fold. That might work. I, I don't want to spoil the second film when we do it, but I think Marcus, I think it's in the second
2: one. Doesn't he have wings? There's like a back creature thing. thing. Yeah. 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 Cool, cool. Okay, uh, what about telekinesis or pyrokinesis? No. No, I don't no. think so, no. Uh, the ability to fly? No. Super jumping, that's about it. Yes, super jumping, yeah. hmm And uh, control over lesser creatures? Again, Kate Beckinsale cat suit. There's a joke there. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The entire universe is a lesser creature compared <laughs> to that. <Yeah. laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's have a look at the vulnerabilities and vanquishing. So, do they have an aversion or weakness in sunlight? So we're told. <laughs> yeah. They have
1: those. They have those werewolf uh, manufactured bullets that have oh, the, yeah, uh, the UV in yeah. them. That's, that's yeah. So there's definitely a problem with sunlight, but there's no real visual scenes is there of them actually like encountering the sun or having to run away from it
2: or no No. like I said just the the flashback the, the you know the wooden uh Victor's daughter is killed. That's the only one you can kind of get. Yeah. Um, okay, what about sleeping in coffins, native soil or cursed there? Just Bill Nye. He's <laughs> the only one with a coffin, yeah. Yeah, but what about Victor though? Did think he <laughs> think <steps laughs> in a coffin?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's the thing. Maybe the only, only the elders do that and it's a special <laughs> thing where you hibernate in your coffin. Everyone else just is happy enough just with beds and things. So yeah. The modern
2: vampire doesn't need coffins anymore. they move beyond it then. <laughs> just um, close the curtains. <laughs> uh, what about holy objects or holy water or silver?
1: Silver for the werewolves but That doesn't count Yeah Yeah, yeah they, they, uh, they're they, quite strict With the silver being Werewolf only aren't they In this one Yeah uh, that's right yeah.
5: And the holy stuff So the, the vampirism's a virus or Yeah that's right Whatever uh-huh. isn't it In this so So there's no real Religious aspect to it Yeah Okay
1: uh, Steak through the heart We don't see No It's no. not a thing is it In this well, I thought. I really thought it would be oh. uh, It would make sense if it was It could be, but no one does it, so we don't know. There's no way to verify.
2: Werewolves versus vampires and not a single stake through the heart. (laughs) That's madness. (laughs) I'm going to lament that for a long time, Dan. (laughs) That's going to upset me. What about beheading or burning? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Victor, kind of half beheaded (laughs) at the end.
1: Perfect, I did like that shot with Victor, and he had his obviously his, his face cut in half, and it slides off. There was a lot of that in the early 2000s thousand, wasn't there? Yeah. there was Final Destination two did that. Resident Evil, Resident Evil, yeah, Resident Evil did that, yeah, with a laser thing, a uh, cube.
2: Didn't yes, very uh-huh. similar thing. Yeah,
1: I, I think I think we just cracked the special effects to do that, and everyone was doing <laughs> it. It's always the
5: same, isn't it? You you see the the jump, or you see the thing hit. You wait a few seconds, and then
2: the face falls apart. It's a bit <laughs> Looney Tunes, isn't it? It's about bit Coyote yeah. walking off the cliff and then realizing where he is. <laughs> Everything I see, it, I think
1: that it, Bill Nye should have held up a sign saying, "Oops." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ah uh, See we're thinking of ways To improve this film We're doing, doing a good job here For the filmmakers They so could go back And put that in Dan Maybe someday Okay what about Invitation only nah, No Not, not nah, saying Unfortunately uh, No reflection Yeah there's reflection no, yeah. yeah she's in the bathroom She sees her reflection She quite often You do You see her reflection a lot Yeah mm-hmm. Um, Allergic to garlic No nah, Not saying of that And uh, Vampire videos Favourite Crossing running water no, she falls into the water in the car.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, they have that fight in the sewer where there's the water's
2: running. So yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, guys. Uh, Craig, what do you think then, overall, in terms of fangs out of five? What would you give the vampires in Underworld? Uh, no, no we seem to ticked off a lot in the list. So maybe
5: four.
1: Dan. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna really look at Victor as the main vampire in my head. When I think of the vampires, really, because I know Celine's the main character, but I think hmm. Victor's the strongest vampire. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah. And he's pretty strong and formidable. He looks quite scary at times. So I, I'm
2: going to say four, actually, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, despite my overall feelings about the film, um, I'm going to I'm going to fall in line here, guys. I think I'm going to go four as well because if we're going with Victor, yeah, he's definitely he's a cracking vampire. He deserves to be in a much better film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and World two. You know, I think it's better. We'll, we'll do it soon. <laughs>
5: i was thinking because i said about tv series earlier i feel like this could be rebooted as a well maybe not prestige tv series but as a kind of schlocky 10 episode thing or whatever you would have a lot more time to play with the the lore because there's a lot of it and i think given a bit of time to just get the ins and outs of how the two factions work and and then how the human faction works as well i think Mm -hmm. i think there'd be mileage in that actually to to go back and and play with that because i know the sequels from what I remember of them they don't really play with the whole Underworld aspect of it they just get
1: increasingly silly as they go on definitely would uh, make a good show I think TV series so uh, Underworld when released it grossed 95 million dollars worldwide Um, The budget for the film was only 22 million. Um, Wow. So it obviously made a good profit there, and that's why they bankrolled a sequel, four sequels in total, between 2006 to 2017. So actually not too long ago we got Underworld 5. Yeah, that's crazy. There's quite
5: long gaps between some of them, I think, though.
1: Yeah, I think between 4 and 5 there's a sizable gap, I believe. The weird thing as well, the president of Screen Gems, who kind of produced the movie, he greenlit a sequel and a prequel uh, days before it even had its premiere in
4: America. Oh, wow. (laughs) Purely
1: because of the ticket sales in Canada. (laughs) So it did so well in Canada... That they were all in on a sequel and a prequel, even though the prequel didn't happen for a, a few movies. <laughs> imagine a film
5: being made for 22 million now, though, like
1: this. Maybe that's why Len Wiseman has a career, really, because maybe he did really well with the budget. You did get a lot from that 22 million, I think. Because yeah, you can imagine this
5: being made now for like 100 million yeah. not being considered, well, that's okay. That's <laughs> modest budget wise yeah. for
1: something like that. Critical reaction to the movie wasn't very positive. Uh, it only holds a 31% rating on Rotten Tomatoes if you care about the ratings on that site, but it's a fairly decent indicator of where people's heads were when it came out, and uh, most people didn't like
2: it, uh, apart from Craig.
1: (laughs) I'm not saying it's my favourite film, ever. it's just something that I find, or
5: my memory of it is somewhat entertaining, and then I watch it and I'm like, yeah, it was alright.
2: You watch it and you're like, oh time for bed <laughs> yeah i
5: get about 40 minutes in and almost fall asleep and then have to think i'll come back to this tomorrow yeah.
1: yeah i was tempted to watch it in two chunks to be honest i did get halfway through and think oh god it's 90 minutes to go yeah i had to grit my teeth and get through it okay so that's underworld so craig any concluding thoughts on underworld do you think it uh, deserves to live forever or be staked through the heart well, I think it does have
5: some longevity because they did mine four sequels out of it, or three sequels in a prequel. So yeah, I would say live forever. I don't think it's offensive in any way. I think it like I said earlier, it occupies that sort of almost straight to D V D slot level that the Resident Evil movies and some other stuff enjoy. So yeah, I think it's I think it's fine where it is. It's not gonna be anybody's favourite film. I mean it will be somebody's favourite film. <laughs> I don't know who. I don't, I don't know if I want to beat this person. But it's okay. It's it's something to stick on once in a while if you you ever want to just do a watch through the entire canon of the other world oh god
1: no (laughs) (laughs) yeah there is a 4k box set that costs like over 100 pounds I saw with all of them there yeah, that's crazy
5: Apparently in the 4K release They put the scene from 3 in for the flashbacks Instead of who, the stunt people or whoever they hired To do the flashbacks for this one. Oh, okay, yeah. that's
1: interesting I thought you were going to say they put the shower scene back in But
5: <laughs> well, they didn't film it and They didn't so film, it, so. film it, so That's yeah. why it
2: cost so much money to the <laughs> box set <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs> They just had to sneak into Kate Beckinsale's house And wait for her to take a shower It's like this is going in the film
2: We've been approaching this uh, this episode for a long time, Dan. We we have kind of joked about Underworld quite a bit in the build up to watching it, and uh, I'm afraid it, for me it's a stake through the heart. And um, I just I just didn't enjoy it. If I'm honest with you, and I and I kind of went in hoping I would enjoy it. Uh, but it's like i said it, it wastes a criminally great setup uh the lore is really interesting bill nye's great fun but other than that there, there was nothing to hold my attention and, and much like you said there was a bit where i got like an hour in and i couldn't believe there was still over an hour to go and i was getting quite cross about it it's just yeah, uh, too too dull for me so i'm afraid it's a rare stake through the heart for me
1: yeah, um, I'm going to agree with you, I'm afraid. So, yeah, uh, I see what you're saying, Craig. You know, it's definitely, you know, it's not intending to be great art, is it, essentially? And it kind no. of does what it wants to do. But I, I just think they could have had a better script here and it would have helped it along. If they'd just have made uh, Celine and Michael a real, really kind of good couple to anchor it, I think that would have really helped. Because that's what I was really struggling with. There's no emotional hook to it beyond just. Oh, isn't it cool to see werewolves versus vampires? But even that ended up not being as cool as it is in your head when you when you read what the film's about. When you, uh, so it just kind of disappointed me at every step, really. And it was it was more really the uh, realization that it wasn't that great. Because I do remember thinking it wasn't a bad film. I came to it this time thinking it wouldn't wouldn't be something that I dislike. I actually thought I'd I'd like it. I, I th- in my head the first two are decent, and it's the rest that are not that great. But now I'm wondering if uh, they're all not very good, or or maybe number two is okay. Um, I would have thought this was the best of the franchise and, may, and uh, it clearly maybe isn't. I think with some things, the
5: opinion that you end up forming when you first see it at a time of life, when you see it, ends up sticking with you. And I think yeah. that's probably happened with me here as well, because yeah. I would have saw it in, what, 2004 or something when it was out in DVD. And it had been out for long enough to be bargain bin worthy, you know, the four quid or whatever it would have been for me to buy it. And I would have, I was a teenager at the time, so yeah, it was probably appealing to me at that point even though i couldn't stay awake but that was a, <laughs> a separate <laughs> issue so yeah i think that that sort of sticks with me um there was when you were talking to d about van helsing she said something similar it's like this opinion of yeah that she formed when she first watched it is stuck with her and i think I, I think it's difficult to get away from that i think that's a very powerful thing the way that something imprints on you when you first see it yeah yeah, yeah
1: that's a good point yeah that definitely was the explanation behind van helsing wasn't it because d loved it but she had watched him she was I don't know what age she wouldn't give away was she her age but uh, (laughs) 13 or 14 I don't know uh, something like that but yeah I can imagine that being the case because there's plenty of films I really enjoy um, from the 80s and early 90s that I'm sure kids today would think is a load of nonsense but to me they have an attachment I'm always very curious to know what will happen in 20 years time when kids who are now teenagers right now have an affection for all kinds of terrible films that no one likes right now but (laughs) all of a sudden they become classics I'm seeing that happen this incidentally with the Star Wars prequels there seems to be a movement where everyone now thinks the Star Wars prequels are actually quite good, and the people saying that are all in their 20s, because for them it was something that they watched when they were like very young, and they don't have a connection to the original trilogy yeah. like everyone did when they were watching it as adults so it's interesting
2: i mean that is the thing though isn't it when the original trilogy was airing as well that you know there was a, a generation just before that looking at those films thinking oh god what are, what are people getting so excited about it? you know uh, and really writing them off so you know i think yeah i think you're right i think the the sequel trilogy uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see where that ends up in, in another oh, 20 yeah, years because i, I fully expect <laughs> that you'll have people telling you that that pre- that sequel trilogy is a work oh, yeah, of genius yeah, yeah. my daughter's one of them unfortunately
5: all the think pieces that will be coming out that will be Rise of Skywalker is good, actually. Those <laughs> kinds of... Look forward to them.
2: <laughs> oh, the bells are chiming and someone's cut their finger near Victor's corpse. So before he awakens, we must quickly wrap things up. All that remains is to thank our guest, Craig McKenzie, for joining us to share his views. Uh, Craig, what are you up to right now? Uh, this will be mid-December, Craig. Uh, where can listeners find more from you?
5: what I'm up to in mid-December, will I have cleared my podcast editing backlog by then? (laughs) Probably not. You can mainly find me on Neil Before Blog, so that's neilbeforeblog.co.uk. There's an attached podcast called Neil Before Pod that's in all of your feeds. Anywhere you get your podcast, you'll find it. Do lots of nerdy chats about anything, really. There's a Doctor Who episode that'll be out by the time that this is out because it's talking about the 50th anniversary special, talking about Marvel movies. Maybe a Marvel's one, who knows? <laughs> Depends what's going on at the time. But yeah, there's lots of nerdy stuff on there. I haven't written anything in a while. Will that change by December? I don't know. But there's loads of writing on there as well. You can see my in-depth um, long-form reviews of stuff. Long-form is the name of the game on Deal Before Blogs, so if you want a quick blast opinion, you're not going to get it. But if you're <laughs> happy to sit and read or listen for a while, then, then do that and... On We Made This, I can be found on We Are Starfleet, which is the Star Trek podcast that covers some of the Star Trek franchise. We're on hiatus at the moment because there's nothing to talk about, but we'll be back at some point, probably when Discovery starts airing, which will be, who knows, don't know when. And personally on the socials, on Twitter, I can be found under Nemesis4909, which wasn't a Star Trek reference when I came up with it. It started life as a Resident Evil reference. Talked about Resident Evil a lot here, so there it was. That's me.
1: Excellent. Okay. I'm glad we had you doing that little bit at the end there. I always on This did. podcast. <laughs> right, the Nemesis uh, backstory. Um, excellent. So thanks, Craig, uh, for coming along today Pleasure. and sharing your thoughts. We're going to put you back into the so coffer pod now. So take a deep breath. We will reawaken you in 100 years. For Underworld 2. okay so vampire videos is part of the we made this podcast network stay tuned for previews of other shows you may like to subscribe to and don't forget to support us on ko-fi forward slash vampire videos
2: yeah and uh, why not join our bitten membership tier on ko-fi too Uh, doing so means you'll get the first bite of vampire video episodes before anyone else and all for just four pounds a month
1: we'll be back next week for more fiendish fun but until next time thanks for listening
4: Art changes over time. This might feel weird to say because the art itself doesn't physically change, but if we agree that art tells us something about the world around us, what happens to that art once the world has changed? This is the question we try to answer on Movieversaries, a film podcast on the We Made This Network. I'm the host, Bo Nicholson, and in each episode my guests and I celebrate and re-evaluate films on significant anniversaries. We examine films from all over the world through a critical lens to determine if they stand the test of time by exploring their themes, performances and techniques. This year our focus is on movies made in years ending in three. So far we've covered the avant-garde classic Meshes of the Afternoon from 1943. On the other end of the spectrum, how does the technical marvel Jurassic Park hold up 30 years later? We also delve into other iconic films of their time, such as King Kong from 1933, Eight and a Half from 1963, and Return of the Jedi from 1983. From European art house to action, comedy, and horror, if a film is celebrating a significant anniversary, we're discussing it. Don't miss out. Subscribe to Movieversaries now, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you believe in the existence of X-Files podcasts? Then the truth is in here. I'm Tony. I'm Sarah. I'm Carl. And I'm Armal Drake.
0: And the X-Cast is devoted to all things X-Files. Such as in-depth episode discussions.
4: I
2: love the eighth season being like, no, you're saying goodbye. And that's something pop culture doesn't do enough.
3: Interviews with
4: many of the casting crew from the show.
3: I had to audition repeatedly. I mean, I went in, I read for Chris and Frank. uh, Or I think, no, first I read for the casting director, Rick. And then I made it past that hurdle and read for Chris and Frank. Had a lovely meeting with them.
4: And special roundtable chats, commentaries, and fun bonus episodes. But this this is this is great. Mulder just having no idea what's going on
0: on this beautiful boat with people not really speaking uh, English. You can find us on the We Made This Podcast Network, Apple
3: Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast players.
4: We'll see you in the basement. But until then, trust no one. one.